FinTech Hunting is hosted by Michael Hammett, JD, CMT, keynote speaker, author, and founder and president of Next Level Advisors. Join Michael as he seeks out tech visionaries, leading lenders, trailblazing executives, and other financial influencers to bring you actionable insights and lead generation tactics, all centered around industry greatness and success. Welcome to the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We would like to thank our sponsors, Incelerate, WFG Enterprise Solutions, Next Level Advisors, Lender Logics, and FinLocker. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. We have an amazing and incredible guest for you today. He has appeared numerous times on the show. One of the most listened to episodes. People take notes, they go back, they replay it. He always provides great insights. He's a technology expert. He's probably one of the best networkers I know in the mortgage industry. We sit on multiple boards together. But more importantly than anything, he's just a great person, and I can call him a friend. Please help me welcome Eric Wheeler, Director of Product Marketing of Ice Mortgage Technology. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. I really got to learn to set the bar lower with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, all of those things that I stated are definitely true, and, and, and we're so pleased that you could join us on this episode. So thank you. No, very excited to be here. Very excited to be here. It's always fun to, to, to catch up and talk to you, Michael. This is awesome. So last time we were talking AI, we were still in the middle of the pandemic. There's still a pandemic going on, but things have kind of opened up. What are some of the tech trends you're seeing? What are some of the challenges the lenders are dealing with right now as we've shifted to purchase? There's less capacity or there's less volume, more capacity. Give me some updates on what you're seeing. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, the transition to a purchase market is inevitable, right? I think it happens, you know, as we all know, mortgages go in cycles and things like that. So we've definitely seen that trend towards that, 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 that purchase market. Um, but still the lenders that we talked to are still hyper-focused on, on improving capacity. All right. And I don't mean just like being able to take stuff on, but also to handle some of these, these downturns as well going in the future. So, the big focus is around kind of capacity uh, requests on how on how people are doing that in the marketplace. And we've had a couple of guest speakers and some stuff on some of the podcasts that we've done at ICE. Um, but the big one is obviously clearly, and this is no surprise because every industry has kind of done it, right, is in embracing technology to help them improve their overall capacity, right? So right now they make these big hiring swings, right? You know, you've been, we've been through it. Hire a ton, yep. get rid of a ton. Hire a ton, get rid of a ton. Probably the wrong way to describe it, but that's that's kind of what happens. <laughs> well, no, and your former CEO used to always call it as you know in the mortgage industry we throw human spackle that, at things. That's right. right? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And and you know they're trying to find ways to make those those cycles you know shorter and and more 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 palatable. And you know, and really one of the main ways to do it, which is of no surprise, is through kind of automation tools, which is why we've talked about AI and RPA type technologies in the past, and that that trend I think is is still going to grow. You know, if anything came out of COVID, it was a, it was a catalyst for for several things, fortunately and or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it. But it's definitely projected people to um, put some some gas on that fire and, and really make some investment around kind of automation across the boards, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, and as we talk, you know, COVID, I, I never minimized it. There was a lot of pain and suffering for people. Uh, so for those people that have had a lot of the struggles, I don't want to ever minimize that. But as we talk tech in the mortgage industry, there is a lot of good things that came out of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, people were forced to learn how to work remotely. People were forced to do all kinds of different valuation models and say, you know what, if appraiser can't go in the home or if the borrower is not going to let them in the home, mm-hmm. how do we value this property? Mm-hmm. There's much more e-closings. And then, like you said, AI and RPA, what I think people realized that in 2020, what did they do? They did the same thing and they've always done the mortgage industry. They just threw bodies at it. You know, underwriters getting signed on for an extra $50,000 signing bonus and, and making huge six-figure salaries and everything like that. And then the industry, reality comes, wakes up in 2021 and says, Uh-oh. we don't have as much volume. Volumes are going to be down. No matter what estimate you look at, they're going to be down 20 to 30% from where they were last year. Yep. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so as lenders, and I love how you talked about capacity, because I think a lot of people just think capacity, we can handle more loans. How can we handle more loans more profitably, Yeah, more right. efficiently? How do we improve the borrower experience? How do we, if we do those things right through technology, then I don't have to hire and fire a hundred people in two months and then let people go in six months. I can actually do it with the same amount of staff and handle a lot more volume. Mm-hmm. It's much more profitable. That's right. It, it's, I mean, to me, predictability and profitability tend to go together. They're not necessarily like solely tied to each other, but if you can make a more predictable business model, right. And a more predictable uh, forecast into what you need into the future, regardless of kind of how the mortgage, um, the market swings either way, um, you can definitely become more profitable that way because you're 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 kind of ahead of the game, right? And getting to that that data to make those decisions is is obviously key. So, absolutely, and I think the key with that, you know, that predictability is really understanding what are your steps. I always call it the manufacturing of a loan. People always they they come to me and they want to talk about growth and growth and how do I grow and what's the coolest lead gen tactics and everything. And I'm like, well, if I just dropped another fifty another 100, another 500, another 1,000 loans on your lap, what would it do? And invariably, they all say it would blow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, that's because you don't know how to manufacture yeah. a loan effectively, efficiently. So, you know, you talked AI, RPA. What are some of the other steps lenders are actually doing, you know, like in the mortgage process, in that manufacturing mm-hmm. of loan? What are some of the, the areas that they're really trying to attack with technology? Yeah, I think that, well, you know, clearly um, – I'll call it kind of the the three spectrums, right? And you, you you've kind of touched on them already, right? One is how do we improve that that borrower experience, and how can I have uh, my borrowers be I don't want to say self and you know self engaged where they're kind of or self service is probably a, a better way to describe it, but not necessarily losing that 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 particular relationship, right? So by improving the capacity, that allows your team members to be more relationship driven, right? But that also requires you to do some investment internally on that kind of customer, that customer and, and borrower kind of. And I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to broaden it, Michael. So bear with me for a second. I'm going to I'm going right. to sidetrack a little bit here. But I know we always focus on kind of like that borrower engagement, but this is true for a retail customer, a wholesale customer working with their brokers, and a correspondent lender working with their with their lenders selling them loans. Right. So they're all looking at it, obviously with different avenues. Right but they're all looking at to find better ways to make those relationships and improve that capacity so that their team members can go out and forge those relationships 
because you know as the market shifts right competition becomes tighter volumes become more you have to kind of chase for it and that type of thing so that's that's clearly one area right and they're looking at portals and experiences and text messaging and um, different uh, marketing campaigns using marketing automation tools and things like that to help kind of you know hone in those particular experiences the second area right it's like okay now that we, now now that we've got those loans right oh, yep. we were successful we've got we've got loans coming in right <laughs> You know, how do we then kind of manufacture them to your point, right? And and the, the hyper focus there is really kind of on in a retail and wholesale lender, kind of that underwriting process and kind of like the, the areas in and around it, not specifically around underwriting, but even just, you know, pre-underwriting, junior underwriters, that type of stuff into the closing and post-closing arena, which ultimately impact the capacity within underwriting. So they're looking at automation tools, you know, selfishly like in Commandalyzer and that type of stuff that we've rolled out over the years, but even other ones, there's been new entrants to the marketplace, which has been fun to watch. And that really then helps drive the capacity, which then frees up the team, which then does the relationship side and the other side of it. And then you get into the the last part of it, which is around e-closing. How, how long have you and I, well, everybody for that matter, forget you and I, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, we've been talking about this. I was on a project at Flagstar back in 2002 <laughs> to try and get the joke I always say is you could grab some of the articles from 10, 15 years ago that talked about an e-mortgage yep. and substitute the word digital. Mm -hmm. It'd be the same damn article it's, today. That's right. It's, yeah, it's, it's the same thing. So, but, but, but again, COVID was a catalyst for that, right? They, they, there's a need for it now. So there's, there's a lot of emphasis and investment going on in the e-closing world. So I know that everyone's like, oh, you just talked about the entire process. Yeah, but you kind of have to, right? You, you can't, you can't just put areas of focus in one spot or another, you kind of have to look at your process holistically and find out where those bottlenecks are. And sometimes there are things that you didn't even know were bottlenecks before. That's always, the, it's always the fun things for me when we're talking to customers is finding those problems they didn't even know they had. <laughs> well, and part of that too is if you don't have a way to track it, if you don't have visibility, if you don't understand your process really methodically, mm -hmm. it's really hard to find those friction points. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because sometimes... People just, it's just everyday business for them. They're like, oh, I, I do this. This is normal business. I don't know another way. So ergo, there's no problem. That's yep. where you want to put focus on. It's like, it's like if you're used to it and you, you've, you've kind of accepted this is the way it goes, that's probably an area of focus for you. <laughs> well, and a lot of times the automation can be some of the easy, redundant manual tasks. Mm -hmm. I think where people get in, themselves into trouble as it relates to automation is, they're trying to automate one mm -hmm. of the most challenging parts, let's say in loan manufacturing, reviewing loan scenarios with a client. Mm -hmm. It takes a human person. You're probably not going to automate yeah. that whole damn thing. So why, why tackle that? And why not just tackle the, hey, I can populate mm -hmm. the borrower's information from my CRM into my point of sale and into my LOS. Yeah, that's right. Save two minutes, yeah. you know whatever alone yeah that, that's where i see no, it adds up for sure i mean it's 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 you look at look at the portfolio within your organization right and people are like oh well the cookie cutter deals are easy to do so it doesn't take us long and i'm like but they're the majority of your deals difficult one why go to the exception to the rule right. and try to figure that out that's right it's like it's like focus what's the majority Right. Like what's and, you know, typically those cookie cutter deals for the most part. I mean, I know lenders vary based on, I, you know, they deal with self-employed versus jumbo and that's everything. But for the most part, a lender's portfolio is typically those kind of cookie cutter for the most part. I'm probably going to get blasted for saying this, but <laughs> cookie cutter deals, which makes up 50, 60, 70 percent of your volume. Right. Let's focus on that and automate that piece. Right. Because look at the lift you could get from that percent. Mm -hmm. 
The other yeah. thing you talked about, and I think it's so critical because so many people get lost as we start talking technology and automation mm-hmm. and AI and RPA and, you know, all of the shiny tools and objects out there. At the end of the day, it's to give people more time to build and foster That's more right. deep and genuine relationships. That's right. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is not a, a threat to someone's job. This is an opportunity for you to take more care in dealing with the, the, the people that you get. And that's both internally and externally, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I love how you talked across the whole spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just for retail or it's not just for the consumer, mm-hmm. but whether it's wholesale, whether it's correspondent, whether you're working with your brokers, anytime you can enhance communication, have greater transparency, mm-hmm. things are going to run more smoothly. Yep. And, and when that happens, there's more liquidity in the market. When there's more liquidity, there's more investment. When there's more investment, there's there's growth. Like these things are like complementary. People are like, well, what area should we focus on? I'm like, all of it. Don't try and blow the ocean. <laughs> like don't try and blow the ocean, but look at the segments. You've basically got three three manufacturing segments, right? Just figure exactly. out. Eric, I love it. Great insights there. <laughs> Let's talk about, okay, so... Things are now starting to, more bans are starting to lift, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what day of the week and what news cycle and everything like that. But as live conferences start coming back mm-hmm. and we start transitioning to live, give me some of your views on that. I mean, should we be going back live? Should some of them still remain digital? Are people just going to do what they did before? What are the lessons we could have learned from COVID to have a better and more impactful experience? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's been a very... I'm probably a little bit unqualified to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it's it's interesting. Well, let me let me kind of back let me kind of backtrack a little bit. Number one, yes, I think I think it's time that that we go out and and start rekindling some of these these live events under caution, right? Watch what's going on, make make adjustments as needed and things like that. But I think it's I, I think it's you know the, the world's ready to kind of reengage with life again, uh, right? For the most part. Right. And to, and to each their yep. own. However, that's not going to be everybody. Right. So I think, I think, I mean, we're even talking about it with um, experience 2022 next year for ISIS stuff is how do we make kind of this hybrid kind of, kind of approach where, you know, we have some live engagement uh, in Vegas next year, uh, but then also how do we incorporate a potential virtual uh, segment to it as well? Um, it's actually interesting. I'm going to, ch- I'm going to change the, change the topic just slightly if that's okay. But what, what, what virtual experience did for us last year was allowed our overseas team to watch it live and, and really get immersed into it, whereas historically they would not have been able to see those types of events. So there was an actual internal, uh, I'm sure somebody thought of it, but I didn't see it until we started talking about this kind of unexpected positive trend internally because they got to see the output of their work being displayed on, on a virtual stage. So there was a, a huge amount of impact just making that that connection to our overseas folks to that that kind of experiencing. So we're trying to find ways to incorporate that, not only just to you know, help our customers that want to do that, right, and our partners that want to do that, but there's internal teammates that found a ton of value in just seeing their their hard work being put on display. So it was an interesting look. Well, and I think you make an excellent point, and I really hope that's what people do from a hybrid perspective. You know, you talk to some people and they're like, I just can't wait to get back out there. And their whole strategy, whether it's marketing, whether it's business development is, I'm just going to go to the show and show up again. Mm -hmm. Wasted opportunity. What do we learn from being digital? Mm -hmm. How do we build relationships digitally? Mm -hmm. How do we lean in and leverage LinkedIn and some of the other tools? And I have found for the couple of live ones that I've gone to, 
those relationships that I built and fostered through LinkedIn made the live experience much more impactful and much more meaningful. And I could, I could text someone, I could send them a quick DM through social and say, Hey, we're all meeting up here after. And instantly you had five, 10, 15 people that wanted to meet up. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big proponent of if we're going to go live and it was great seeing people, don't get me wrong, but I hope we don't just go back to, Hey, now salespeople got to travel 30, 40 weeks out of the year because we're now back to traveling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you can sell virtually and you don't need to be on the road 40 weeks, maybe you only need to be on 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. You can close more business. You can be more profitable than all of the expenses. It's That's less right. draining on the individual. So I'm a big, let, let's find a hybrid. I hope some conferences don't ever come back live to be brutally honest. And some of those yeah. people, I won't name any, and they're probably not happy. I'm saying that, but yeah. I think some conferences lend themselves to mm -hmm. being virtual and it's very effective. And, and what I've heard from a lot of people is more people in their organization could be part of the virtual event than they ever could be live. Yeah, that's right. That was, that was the other thing that we noticed as well is that, is that there was a, a contingent that would obviously come, which right costs money and things like that. And then there was a contingent that could never make it before. Right. And now, now there's an opportunity for us to, to, to touch kind of as many people as, as we can, uh, just to get them engaged. And I, I mean, I don't talk about just ice events. I'm talking about just in general, right? It's going to be an interesting kind of dynamic going forward for sure. So it is interesting. The, the, the zoom fatigue though is interesting. You know, like, like we, we've collected a, we've collected a, a few bits of data and I'm going to get a little bit over my skis here, but we found that like, as like a, a, a virtual event, like the proper time was like 15 to 20 minutes. Which is hard to put meaningful it content is. into like fifteen to twenty minutes, but but that seemed to be kind of like the sweet spot for those virtual those virtual kind of uh, events, right? So there is an element of, of Zoom fatigue that I'm we're kind of dubbed, but going forward, well, and, and the hard part is finding that balance, you know. So I've mentioned I've already gone to a couple live events, mm -hmm. and what I found was it was really a struggle to be anywhere near as efficient as I was sitting at my desk doing. 10 or 15 zoom go to teams, mm -hmm. whatever you want to say mm -hmm. in a day. And people are like, well, you should get, you know, internet at the airport or on the plane. Great. I get it. I've used those tools. There is no way I can be as effective jumping in and out of the airport mm -hmm. on the plane, jumping in the Uber, getting to the hotel. And the people are like, well, then you just got to work a little longer. You finish all day conferences, you go grab dinner yeah. with people connections. You have a reception to go to and you get back to your room at 11 or 12 at night. Mm -hmm. You can't stay up six more hours and do that work and be effective the next day. That That's hard. You, you actually brought up a really, really interesting point. I've never even thought about it before. Are our customers expectations of, or anybody's expectations, forget customers, just like, like if, if I, if I email you or Slack you, right, Michael, or text you or invite you to a Zoom meeting, if you're traveling again, am I still going to be under the assumption that you're going to jump on my meeting? Right? Because right. I, like, who knows, right? That's a really good point. Like, I think people's expectations are going to, they're going to be a shifting period, right? That's a really good point. Interesting. Yeah. The other transition that I found is as people are traveling, engagement from social now takes a little more effort. When people were sitting in their office and they could be doing email and be on a Zoom call, they were also on social almost the whole day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
airport, they're not in social the whole time. On the airplane, they're not on social. When they're sitting in the client meeting face-to-face, they can't be in front of their cell phone, mm-hmm. pinging stuff and doing stuff. So it takes more strategy. It takes more effort to still get that, that same impact with people yeah. as we transition yep. to some live, some virtual and everything like that. Would you be attending NBA annual this year? It's live or? As of right now, that's, that's the only travel plans I have is, is that uh, for NBA annual. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. even though we're both in Michigan, that's probably when that's we're going to find break bread next is <laughs> right. in San Diego as we get there. But that's right. That's so right. As we're winding down and you and I could talk tech for hours, what are some of the other challenges that lenders are facing? What are some of the trends you see as we kind of round out 2021 yeah. and head into 2022? Yeah, it's funny. Like, um, I'll, I'll kind of go to the remote working, right, type deal. There's a lot of companies, and I'll, I'll use the word scaling back, but scaling back in their property kind of use, right? So th- there's there's aug- augmentation of their existing property, right? Their existing real estate, yep. the, the areas that they take up. And then there's kind of like a, a scale back, and they're allowing more teams, I think, I think one of the things that that we learned is that many people can be productive working from home, right? And some prefer it for for obvious reasons, right? Because of family situations or whatever the case is, but they didn't have that that opportunity before. I see a lot of uh, people really looking internally to say, "Hey, can we can we support this like long term? Is this is this helping us kind of recruit and that type of thing?" So we're seeing a lot of that. I mean, I was talking to somebody that a former employee of mine, who's most of the IT people are, are now working from home. And they may they may stay that way. I don't know if it's going to be in def- or you know indefinitely or whatever the case is. But for right now, that's there's no rush to kind of get back to the office and that type of thing. So, well, you bring up so many good points, and let's touch upon yeah, those. I've <laughs> had other guests and I've had other executives talk about this, and I think your first point of you know if you have a footprint of two hundred thousand square feet office space, uh, half a million square feet or a million square feet, and you have fifteen people coming into the office regularly. What a waste. How do you change your lease? How do you downsize for a lack of a better term, Mm -hmm. you know, the office space? And and I've seen companies just say, you know what, we only need common queues and common work areas for people if they want to come in. Mm -hmm. And they, because everyone now has a laptop, right? Because they had to for COVID, you can bring your laptop in and you can do it and you're going to bring, come in X amount of days. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think, a lot of companies are looking at that and saying, hey, we can save money doing that. Yep. Your point about hiring opened up a lot of floodgates with COVID saying you can work from anywhere. And if you can work from anywhere, then you can just go and really mm-hmm. focus on who is the best person for this role. Yep, that's right. Versus, versus who's the best person for this role who can live in this area that's right. or is willing to move. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of positives. But now I've started to hear some trends of people saying – if you're going to work from home, we're going to pay you less. So I've, I've, I've heard that one as well. It's funny. Ice actually went the other way. They said they're not going to change anything as of right now, right? So, which is which is great. But but it, it is interesting because they, they got to take it into account, right? The, the cost of living adjustments are, 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 are different, you know. Exactly. If you were in Silicon Valley and were paying you top dollar and now you're living in Montana or whatever – is it the same apples to apples? I, I think that's going to be an interesting yeah. dynamic. And then I think the other one that the kind of the verdict is still out is the culture that you build with people, especially when it was all virtual. Like when, if you had to onboard people virtually, they've never stepped foot in your office space. They only know the 10 or 15 people they're working with. Mm-hmm. 
can you still build that bond, that culture that really makes some companies exceptional and makes other companies average? Yeah. I'm curious to see if this is going to be sustainable. Right. I mean, like, I I just, I I wonder if it's going to shift back. Because I think over time, as things open up and people get kind of used to new life slash return to old life type deal, like, will it, Will it organically kind of slide back to to where it was before? That's the part that I'm curious about. I think it will be for throughout this year for sure. You'll see, right. you'll see these trends, and then and then I think next year we'll see kind of kind of what happens. Like, is it, is this sustainable? Yeah. Because yeah. how do you maintain that yeah. culture? And you can only do so many Zoom happy hours. You can only that's right. Oh, we're gonna have a celebrity chef come in, or we're gonna do a, a drink mixologist yep. and this yep. and that. I think it was very creative and I commend the companies that did that mm-hmm. stuff during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I think going forward, how do you maintain that culture, you know, and are you going to meet live or is it a hybrid? Like we just talked about right. live events That's saying, right. yeah. Hey, you know, Mondays and Fridays, you want to work from home, work from home, come in Tuesday through Thursday, or we're going to do four live events a year yep. where your people are going to come back to headquarters and that's still more cost effective yep. than having everyone that it's going to be very interesting. I it think is. you made so many excellent points, Eric, as we're wrapping up, what are some of the trends you think are going to take, take place? Well, anything else you see as we wind down or what is some of the coolest technology that you've seen in the last month or two that you say, Hey, people should kind of check this out, whether it's in the industry or just out of the industry. Out of the industry? I, I, I'm digging this space race stuff between. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. So would, would you go up in space in one oh, of those? for sure. Oh yeah. Like, like in a, in a nanosecond, it, you know, in a nano, if I had a, you know, a half million dollars, whatever they're charging now, <laughs> sitting around it probably, <laughs> I, I would, I would absolutely, I would absolutely do it. I think that's going to be an interesting trend to watch. Cause like, what's the value in it? Right. I mean, there's experience of course, but is there, there's always starts off as entertainment and then kind of this longer term kind of what's the value? Is that going to be how we travel? Cause it, I can get from here to Germany in an hour and a half or whatever the case is. I don't know <laughs> those types of things. So right. we kind of curious to see how that, how that kind of scales. That's, that's, that's one. Um, well, yeah, go and I think it's interesting too, as you talk about that space, you know, people are like, is it safe? I don't know if I'd feel comfortable getting up in it. And I, me, what's fascinating is the people that are putting their money into it are the ones jumping on the ship doing yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's the billionaire jumping in the air going on. It's, that's right. It's not him saying, yeah, why don't I send a couple of my people first and see if this thing works? <laughs> that's right, that's I mean, right. they're actually the ones going up right. in space. I'm, I'm sure someone, when the when the, the combustion engine came out, right, or electricity, I'm sure someone right. like us sat around and said, is that safe? <laughs> right. like you're basically lighting, you're making small explosions inside an engine and you're going to sit on top of it or sit within two feet of it, right? So I'm sure at some point they said the same thing. So this will, this will be another evolution of, of, you know, social acceptance over time and that type of thing. So that's outside the industry. That's been, that's been kind of fascinating just to kind of watch some of that unfold and that type of thing. But, you know, in the industry, I, I, it'll continue to be, if I had to guess, probably some more M&A type stuff, right? With yep. kind of trends there. Uh, and then really just this drive around automation. I know it's kind of a, a blanket term, but there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of focus on that to improve the scalability of lenders. So. We'll see a lot of those things. Excellent. Eric, you are always a wealth of knowledge. I can't thank you enough for being a guest on this episode of the FinTech Hunting Podcast. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time.
Are you looking to close more loans in 2021? Experience accelerates award-winning customer engagement platform featuring lead management, CRM, call routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrower engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing, text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and so much more. Incelerate, helping lenders close more loans through better borrower engagement. Schedule your personal demo today at Incelerate.com. Fintech hunting is brought to you by Next Level Advisors. Next Level Advisors, where businesses come to grow. Introducing FinLocker, a financial super app that originators can provide their customers to improve credit, create and track budgets, save for their financial goals, and get mortgage ready. Users can even search for a home and start their loan application directly from the app. Create customers for life with FinLocker. Are you struggling to keep up with record origination volumes? From property valuation and appraisal to title insurance and closing services, WFG Enterprise Solutions provides flexible mortgage origination services that address your organization's needs head-on. By taking the time to understand how you run your business, WFG can create solutions that save you time and money on every transaction. That's why WFG consistently earns Net Promoter's world-class ranking for customer satisfaction. Innovative solutions, world-class customer satisfaction. Get to know WFG today at WFGLS.com.